know, guys, we've been going through the book of Philippians, and we're winding down now. We have probably two more messages after this message today, and we've been focusing on the fact that for a lot of folks in church, we kind of live on the surface. Christianity is nothing more than coming to church on Sunday morning. If we've got something better to do, we'll not be here. You know what I'm saying? If, if we don't really want to go out in minus 10 degree weather, we'll stay at home and be warm. But, you know, the reality is, is that that's called living on the surface. Because the fact of the matter is, is if you had two tickets to the Steelers and it's minus 10 outside, you'd be at, down in Pittsburgh at that game, wouldn't you? Do you, you see what I'm saying? And, there, and so Are you reprimanding us, George? No, I'm just telling you the reality. The reality is, is most people live on the surface, so there's not an excitement about being in church. It's not a, not a sense of why they need to be here because to them, church is just the service. Do you know what I'm saying? Church is just the service. But see, actually, to be honest with you, Jesus came and died on the cross so that you can have something so much more than just going to a service. This is not what he died for. He died so that you can have a meaningful relationship with him that affects every part of your life. And he calls you and I to live deeper, to go deep in our relationship with him so that we can see his faithfulness, so that we can trust him, so that we can see his hand in our lives. He calls us to that. And that's what we've been focusing on as we've been going through Philippians. And so as we've entered into chapter 4, we're talking about how to live beneath the surface. Now, last week we looked at the issue of how living beneath the surface translates itself in our actions towards each other and, to, and in our attitudes. This week we're going to talk about something that affects every one of us. Fear. Fear is a big issue, isn't it? I don't think there's a person here in this room that doesn't have a fear. You probably have major fears going on in your life. Maybe something happened this week. You're not anticipating the week to come because of fear. And the fact of the matter is, is fear cripples us. In fact, let me give you two observations about being crippled. Number one, fear will keep you on the surface. When it comes to Christianity... When it comes to that deeper walk with Jesus, the reason why a lot of us don't have that is because we're afraid of something. We're fearful. We're afraid of something happening in this relationship. We're afraid of this bill that's coming. We're afraid of this health issue. And, and you're, called, you're telling me that as I go deeper, George, that I need to trust the Lord? Well, that obstacle, that thing that's facing me is so big right now, I'm afraid of it, and, and it's, it's, it's causing me not to even think about the possibility of trusting in God. So I just kind of live on the surface. Fear. Fear's big, isn't it? Fear's crippling. Fear is the thing that kind of goes with us all day. Now, look, here's the thing that we do, though. Here's, here's the thing. We've learned to cover it. Now, some people don't cover their fears. What's bothering you? Everything. You know, and, and, but you just stay away from me. But the fact of the matter, we all have fears, but the fact is, is we learn how to cover it. 
We're pretty good at learning how to cover our fears so that nobody else knows about them, but they're real to us. And while nobody else may know about them, they're real to us because that's what we always think about. You go to bed, you dream dreams about your fears. Only when you dream dreams, they're bigger and uglier, right? You wake up in the morning, you have your fears with you at breakfast, lunch, and supper. Fears dominate you. Fears will keep you on the surface. Here's the second observation. Fear expresses our lack of trust in the Lord. Here's the thing. Fear is universal to all human beings. Do you understand? All human, human beings have fear. Does, it, does everybody realize that? Donald Trump has fears. Kim Jong-un has fears. So-and-so in Kerwinsville has fears. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Everybody has fears. But when it comes to a Christian, there's something a little bit different because we have fears. Here's what's the little bit difference. The difference is, is that when I have a fear as a Christian, it expresses my lack of trust in who? God, who said he would what? Take care of me. Watch over me. Who said he would direct my life? Now, sometimes he directs your lives into those difficult circumstances. But see, fear will keep you on the surface, and fear expresses our lack of trust in God. And that's why we're on the surface. Because we don't trust him. But see, here's the thing. God doesn't want us on the surface. Jesus doesn't want you on the surface. He wants you to be deep in the relationship with him. So... How do we deal with the issue of fear? Well, that's where we come to verse 6 and 7. It's very familiar verses. I know them by heart, but I'll read it to you. I would encourage you to memorize them because sometimes you need to quote this to yourself. Look at what Paul says in verse 6 and 7. He says this, Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Wow. Two powerful verses. A lot of things there. That's what we're going to spend our time here today. We're going to talk about Learning to live. What do you mean learning to live? Because I want to be honest with you. When you're crippled by fear, you're not living. You're just existing, right? From one crisis to the next. But life is filled with crises. How do we exist in that? Well, we see these two verses here, and they're going to tell us how to live. So what I want you to see, when we look at these verses, we're going to actually divide them into... Three different sections. We're going to look at, first of all, the encouragement. We're going to see the call to action. What do we do with it? And then we're going to see the outcome. Okay? We're going to look at the encouragement. First part of verse 6 gives us the encouragement. We're going to see the call to action. That's what the rest of verse 6 talks about. And verse 7 then gives us the outcome. So let's talk about the encouragement. Here's the first thing he tells us. Look with me at verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. Here's the first point. Relax. Relax. 
I don't know about that, George, because, you know, you don't know what's going on, and the bill collectors are calling, and this, that, or another, and, you know, this I've got this appointment, and the, the, the test haven't come back, but I'm pretty sure what it's going to be. And, ah. Isn't that where we're at? We're like, all hyped up. We haven't even had our morning coffee yet. Relax. I think about this, you know, Psalm 37. I, you know, it's my favorite psalm. There's the whole psalm is awesome. Listen to what David writes, verse 1. Do not fret because of evildoers, be, nor be anxious of workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut off like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land. Feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as a light and your justice as a noonday. Listen to this one. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Relax. Take a chill pill. That's what he's saying here. Don't be anxious. First of all, this is not the Bobby McFerrin song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. He's not telling you to don't worry, be happy. That's not what we're talking about here is be happy. He's saying don't worry. Relax. Be at ease. How can you be at ease? Because you're trusting in somebody else. Trusting in the one who's in control. In fact, he goes on, the next point I want you to see there just from that, from that issue in Philippians where he says, be anxious for nothing in everything. Don't be anxious in everything. He's, he's saying here, don't stress about stuff. Don't stress about stuff. Isn't that what we do? We are so crippled by fear. We're so anxious about, about stuff. And we, we actually sit around and we don't even know for sure that something might happen. But we make up scenarios in our minds where, oh, this could happen and this could happen and this could happen. And so you're afraid of stuff that possibly will never happen. In fact, isn't that what the statistics say? 90% of what we're afraid of never happens. Yeah, but what about the 10? Well, don't worry about the 10. Relax. Don't stress about stuff. In fact, this morning when I was here at the, I come, I come to the church in the morning and get the coffee ready and I, I spent some time in the Word. I was in, I'm in Matthew. I'm reading through, I just finished reading through the Old Testament and I just started reading in Matthew as I'm going through the New Testament. And I want you to listen to what Jesus says. here's what he says, verse 25. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on it. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? 
Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his statue? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. They grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the the grass of the field, which is today and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore don't worry saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, but for your heavenly Father knows what you have, that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble." Powerful words from Jesus, isn't it? Why are you worried about tomorrow? There's enough going on today. And you don't need to worry about that because God's going to take care of you. He could take care of the sparrows. You ever, ever been somewhere and you've seen the sparrows eating? God takes care of the sparrows. Do you think that little insignificant sparrow that he takes, that he'll, how much more will he take care of you? Don't stress. You say, okay, George. All right. Relax. Don't stress. But I've still got my problem. What about my problem? That's where you've got to do something. That's the action that we need to take, the call to action. Look with me at the rest of verse 6, because I think this is interesting. Okay? The rest of verse 6. But in everything, by prayer... And supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Here's the first thing I want you to see here. You need to talk to the Lord in every situation. He's saying, in everything. What does everything mean? In the good things and the bad things. In the things that are freaking you out. In the things that are pleasant. You talk to God about them. You let him know what's going on. And by the way, can I be honest with you? It's not that difficult. How do I know that? Because here's what happens. When you're afraid, you're talking to somebody about it anyhow, right? You're already talking to somebody. It just happens to be that list of friends or that list of family that you're always talking to, spending two hours going over the same thing, and you never notice we just kind of talk about the same stuff over and over and over. It's like on a giant rotisserie, and we're just kind of turning the dial while it cooks there in our brain, and we're kind of layering on the barbecue sauce of our worries. We're already doing that. We're just talking to everybody else about it. Paul's saying here, don't be anxious. Just relax. Don't stress about stuff. Talk to the Lord about your stuff. Talk to him. Let him know. what He already knows what's going on. He's the one who allowed it to happen anyhow. Remember what Psalm 37 says, the one that says rest in him, what? A little bit later it says what? The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. God already knows what's going on in your life. He wants you to talk to him. 
talk to him about what's going on. Because you need to. Because listen, when you're crippled by fear, when you're anxious, you're wanting something or someone to come along and what? Comfort you. Put you at ease, right? Because you don't have any ease in your life. You have chaos. It's crisis. You need to talk to the Lord in every situation. Here's the other thing he's telling us. Your prayers need to be marked by thanksgiving. Look at what it says there. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Now this is the one we have a hard time with because... You know, I'm like you. For years I heard, like, I'm quoting 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And everything, give thanks. For this is the will of Father. And a preacher would say to you, that means in the good and the bad you need to give thanks. And you're like, well, that sounds good, George. That sounds biblical. But you know what? I just had this terrible thing happen to me. I just had the doctor tell me this. I just had the, had the bill collector hounding me on the door. And I just had this crisis happen in my family. How can I be thankful for that? That sounds really spiritual, but I'm not there. You know what I'm talking about? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about, right? <clears throat> That's not what he's talking about. That is not what he's talking about. Well, wait a minute, George, I just read that passage. He says, look, verse, verse, verse 6, be anxious for nothing and everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Over in, it says, be thankful in everything. What? Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? I'm supposed to be thankful for the bad stuff? I don't see God telling you to do that. That's not what he's talking about. He's telling you to be thankful. Well, what am I supposed to be thankful about? God. God. When you lose a loved one and you're going through the crisis of that and that creates fear in your life, how can you be thankful that your loved one was lost? Is God telling me I need to be thankful? No, he's not telling you to be thankful that you lost your loved one. He's telling you to be thankful that you have him to give you comfort in the midst of your crisis and your loss. See, that's why I can be thankful. That's why I can be thankful in my fears. It's my fears are real, they're big, but I can be thankful that I can go to who and talk about them. Do you see how that changes things? Before, it was like, you know, if I'm supposed to be thankful for this terrible situation, then how could that ever happen? How can I be thankful? For, I mean, you've got to be weird to be thankful about terrible things. No, he's not telling you to be thankful about that. He's telling you to be thankful about God. Why can I be thankful about God? Because in the midst of my terrible things, I can go to him. And he loves me and he cares for me. He'll be there for me. You see what it's saying there? Don't worry. Don't be anxious. But in everything, what? By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, what am I thankful about, God, that I can come to you? God, you're the only one in the universe who knows what's going on in my life right now. You're the only one who knows exactly how I'm feeling. You're the only one who knows what I'm afraid of. 
Your prayers need to be marked by thankfulness. By thankfulness. Here's what, he's, here's what the outcome is. Look with me at verse 7. This is powerful. I have lived this many times. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Two things. You'll have peace. You will have peace. You know, everybody knows, I've been here going into April 1st will be 17 years as your pastor. So, But before I was pastoring here, I pastored a church plant in Ontario, Canada. Uh, I was young. I started there at 30. Lori and I, when we went to that church, uh, Maddie wasn't even here yet. Lori was carrying Maddie. And uh, while we were there for those four years, Maddie was there and Foster was born. And so we're a young family just making it in ministry. And it was a church plant, and but yet the, it was a, a difficult church. And... Uh, it was not good. And stuff was happening at the church. And, you know, Lori and I, things have changed because the kids are older and they stay up later now. Our practice used to always be that we would, up until a few years ago, our practice was is we would talk to each other every night. Just debrief. Okay? Allow her to debrief. And uh, so, <clears throat> Maddie and Foster in bed. This is in August of 1999. And I would say to her, towards things were getting bad at the church. They were getting horrific. And I was going without pay. Um, and everybody said they loved us. It wasn't us. They weren't mad at us. They were mad at the deacons. Well, hey... You don't tithe because you're mad at the deacons. I don't get paid, okay? And I got a young family, and um, I say to Lori, you, you, you go to bed. I'm going to talk to the Lord. So she would go to bed because she's a young mom. Maddie and Foss, although they, they appeared perfect, were a handful during the day, so... I mean, they're toddlers, okay? And, um, and I would just pour my heart out to God. I would say, God, you got to help me. This church, help, us, help me to move this church. I have a journal downstairs from that time where even two weeks before I resigned, when I felt God told me to resign, I was asking God, how do we move to the next step at the church? How do we move at the next step? And, 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 I would, and I would just be like, God, why is this happening? Why is this happening? And you know what? He never told me, George, this is why this is happening. He never told me, George, this is what's going to happen. But here's what he did do. I had peace. I went to prayer anxious, worried. But I would always go to bed at peace. And it would freak me out, like, where did that, that's you, God. That's you. 
Isn't that what we want when we're in the midst of our crises? When we're worried and we're, we're bound by fear and we're crippled? Isn't that what? God says, relax. Don't worry about your stuff. Don't fret about it. You talk to me. You be thankful that you have me. And I'll, I'll, I'll give you peace. You will have peace. It will blow your mind. And that's not, you know, I'm telling you about August of 1999. I know that there have been many times since August of 99, even here in this church, and even in things that we have faced and, and, and everything where God has, after pouring my heart out to him, has said, it's okay. I'm with you. You'll have peace. In fact, the next outcome I want you to see here is the next thing. That peace will guard your heart and mind. You know, when God would give me that peace and I would go to bed that night, that would give me the strength for the next day till I cry out to him again. And he gives you peace to guard your heart and mind for one day at a time. Do you understand what I'm saying? One day at a time. One day at a time. Because here's the thing. If God said to me, it ain't going to happen there, George. This is what's going to happen. I'd be freaking out. God operates, if you want to write this down, God operates on a need-to-know basis. And you don't need to know everything. That's just the way it is, isn't that? We hate that. Oh, come on, Lord. No, it's a need-to-know, and you don't need to know that right now. But you trust me, and I'll give you peace. And that peace will guard your heart and mind. So don't worry. Don't fret. Relax. Be thankful that you have him. And he'll give you the strength to carry on. Let me give you two things to think about as we close this. Number one. You wonder why you're living on the surface? We've been talking about that for several months now here, about living on the surface. You wonder why you're living on the surface? Here's, here's what I want you to understand. Recognize the impact of fear on your faith. Recognize that. You know, when uh, we make that decision that we're going to take an offering for the orphanage in Burma, on the 24th, December 24th of all things, as, I mean, are you kidding me? We're going to take out a special offering on, on, on December 24th when everybody's buying gifts for everyone else. And in fact, they're buying gifts with money they don't even have yet. They're going to pay it back in January. I mean, are you kidding me? We're going to do that? And, and we're supposed to make ends meet and finish out the year okay? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I told you to take that offering. Who are you trusting in? Fear will cripple your faith. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Fear will cripple your faith. Recognize the impact of fear on your life. And, and I'm going to be honest with you. That's just one thing. Think about it as a church. How many decisions do we make that we decide that we feel like God's leading us, but we don't do it because we're what? Afraid. Or you've got things happening in your life and you know that God's telling you to do something, but you don't want to do it because you're what? 
afraid. So you never see him work. You never see God glorify himself in your life so that you're like, that's my God. Look at how awesome he was in an impossible situation. Look at what he did. Because we live on the surface. Recognize the impact of fear on your faith. Here's the second one. Allow the relationship of the Lord to guide you through your stuff. Allow the relationship with the Lord to guide you through your stuff. Here's the problem with us. You want to know what the problem is? We're facing our stuff alone. I know that right now in this room, we could spend the rest of the afternoon just going around sharing about our problems. We'd be here all night till it gets dark. And it would be pretty depressing. And we'd all leave here fearful. But the problem is this. You were never meant to go it alone. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, your Lord in your life, you were never meant to go it alone. So allow the relationship with him to guide you through the difficult circumstances, the stuff that you're afraid of right now. Allow him to guide you. But see, that's going to require you to go deeper, isn't it? But your fear wants to keep you on the surface. It's time for us to decide we're not going to be guided by our fears. It's time to release ourselves from the bondage of that, right? Let me pray for you.